Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to the Shoes and Biscuit podcast. Uh, we're coming to you live today uh, to bring you a preview of the world-famous Darwin Festival here in Shrewsbury. Uh, and I do realise, by the way, I can see now that I've accidentally selected the uh, the You Suck uh, YouTube channel uh, we're, we're streaming to now. So hi, guys, in America. If you're watching this, enjoy. Sit down, relax. Uh, we've got something for you today. Um, and I, I'm not going to do this today by myself. Um, of course, I've got one of my trusty biscuitiers with me. And today I'm bringing, me, bringing you his jewels. Uh, Jules, <laughs> we'll try that again, shall we? Hey, hiya, uh, hiya. I'm fine. Yeah, you? Yeah, good, good. Yeah, <laughs> really I good. Fine. Hat on. Sorry, <laughs> I've been outside, so I'm I'm starting to warm back up again. <laughs> it's a bit nippy out there. It's it's like I can't Just see the bit. houses across across the road. Yeah, um, it's very cold. Anyway, let's not stand to attention. We've got uh, some friends from uh, friends from the Flax Mill, uh, and introducing is Marion and Penny from the Flax Mill in Shrewsbury. Hi guys, how are you? Hello. 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 Good to see you again, guys. And yes, you? Yes, great. Mm. It was, it was uh, probably about a year ago you came on the show. But last exactly. Darwin Festival. It would have been last Darwin Festival. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you don't go. speak to me unless it's about Darwin. That's fine. I don't hold it against you. <laughs> so we, we were just talking backstage about the pub and how we missed like sort of gathering, meeting people and stuff. And um, I was saying like, even though I wasn't like a massive pub like goer, I'm kind of missing it now. We can't have it. You know, I want to be able, be able to go for a pint with my friends and stuff. You know? uh, it would be nice. The dolphin calls. The mm. Dolphin, oh, them guys. Yeah, that's our local, yeah. isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Hang in there, guys. Hang in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, today uh, we're here to talk about the Darwin Festival. Uh, this is our third year as a show um, helping out with the Darwin Festival. Um, it was one of the things that uh, kind of gave us purpose as a show from the very beginning, um, and I've really enjoyed it since. I remember very nervously standing up at a, a meeting. Uh, planning meeting years ago and going I've got a podcast and I'd like very much to be a part of your little thing that you've got going on here and uh, <laughs> it's continued to be a part of what we do so uh, I'm very very grateful that it exists you, um, your, your elevator pitch technique is perfect has it improved since then your little no. thing oh I did jump in to. to that I peaked this, that, I peaked I kept it at that level I was kind of like I think I did say at one point uh, you may not have heard of a podcast, but you will very soon. <laughs> I wasn't wrong. Yes. I wasn't wrong. There you go. Genius. Uh, now, the flax mill, um, if, uh, if for the people that are watching internationally, uh, Marion, what, what is special about the flax mill uh, and what makes it such an important building to the world? Ah, yes, we're, we're working on uh, getting our story across and, uh, and America is not a bad place to start. Um, the flax mill uh, was built in 1797 as um, uh, the first iron frame building in the world. And it's therefore seen as the ancestor to the skyscraper. It's not the first skyscraper, as sometimes people think, because it's simply not tall enough for that. But the technique that was developed in Shrewsbury locally um, that um, made sure that the building was built as a, as a fireproof building because flax mills all over the country were quite readily going up in flames. And they thought, how can we best remedy that? And that's through creating an iron frame rather than working with wood. Uh, and so it proves because it's still sounding. Uh, and in next year, we'll be able to welcome people actually inside the building. So that means after 225 years, the building still exists because it is such an important one in the development of architecture. 
Yeah, it really. I mean, these are the stories I've learned, and and from a building that was uh, hardwired over years um, of, of of hard, intense industry. Um, so, how how was it when you guys sort of picked it up and when you started working on it? What kind of uh, state was it in compared to what it is now? Oh well, well, Penny was there from from the start. The friends have been involved for over ten years now as uh, the public engagement group of a partnership. Um, and the people who, who saved it really was Historic England. Um, back when they were English Heritage, they bought it because they saw the importance of it. It is a grade one listed building, which means that nationally there's very, very few uh, buildings with that um, with that qualification. It means it is very special. And once it's gone, it's gone. So they bought mm. it. They saved it. For years, people will remember seeing it pinned together with, um, with scaffolding because it was... You know, the roof had gone. And once the roof goes, slowly the building deteriorates. So you remember seeing that cap over it for years and years and years. So uh, in English Heritage then split into Historic England, uh, which is the, the government Quango advisory arm and English Heritage as a charity. English Heritage looks after all those fantastic places um, that are now our, our life long if we want to go into the, the country for our, our daily walk. And Historic England put its expertise to use. Uh, so together with us as public engagement, our Shropshire Council, who saw the importance of it for the development of the northern area of Shrewsbury, they set together to uh, put in a bid to the National uh, Lottery Heritage Fund. That was finally successful in 2017. And from that point, um, they've done some amazing work bringing in heritage skills as well, so training people up on the job to look after and restore one of the set of buildings. Because, of course, the main mill and the kiln that we're, we're talking about, that's part of the restoration now, there's there's more buildings there. There's still a cross mill, there's a warehouse, there's a dye house. Some of you may have been in that because we do use it for events. There's an apprentice house. So once this part opens, it's on to the next bit uh, and, and to see the entire site, which is quite rare in its in its existence with the, the seven different buildings still in existence there. It's on to the next phase. So Historic England has a job ahead of it still, but I mean, wouldn't you agree? It's looking amazing. It really is. It really yeah. is. This is, your, this is your cue to put a photo up, Alex. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I was actually looking for a photo of uh, this, yeah. by the way, uh, because it, yeah. it is looking pretty sexy i gotta say look at it that i mean uh there was a big story about the, the 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 crown at the top of the tower there um that um you guys were raising money to to get that fixed and put to its former glory right that was a big yeah thing. well it's it's historic england's got a fantastic philanthropy and fundraising team and uh several different uh Organisations have been involved. So we've got the Marches Local Enterprise Partnership. Um, we've got the Andrew Lloyd Webber Foundation. Um, but for the Coronet, they went out to the public and said, this is your chance to give give a little and be involved in the saving of the Coronet, uh, as, as we like to call it, not a crown Coronet. Um, and you see there, right on top. So that entire thing um, was flat pack. It was dissembled. It was brought to Heritage Projects Limited in Harlescott. They completely restored it. And, I mean, you need to go chat to those guys. They are amazing. We were lucky enough with our volunteers to go and see the work being done. And then, was it last year? Yeah, last year around this time, we had it done in the Dye House for a, a little bit so people were able to get very close up and personal to it. Um, and then it was, it was put back up. Of course, 
it was um, it wasn't part of the original fax mill. This part was added uh, at the late 19th century when we celebrated Queen Victoria's Diamond Jubilee. And mm -hmm. there's several of them still around the country. And there's one, I think, Penny, is that right? In Cleethorpes at the station there? Oh, yes. And also in Scotland. Uh, I, I saw one when I was up in Dumfries and Galloway in a town, the name of which I've forgotten. But um, there are several up there um, because it was produced by, uh, it was a firm called McFarland's of Glasgow, who uh, basically, you know, they had a catalogue and you could order this by mail order. And they obviously decided, uh, and they did bandstands and things like that, all sorts of ornamental cast iron. This is in the 1880s and 1890s they were active. And uh, uh, they, uh, uh, you know, so, uh, and they obviously thought with Queen Victoria's Jubilee, this would be a great line. Mm. So um, they must have produced this uh, coronet and uh, as, as a special for the Jubilee and uh, different places we'll have one of those uh, mm. and uh, here William Jones it was such a wonderful coincidence that he was building a hoist tower um, uh, as part of his adaptation of the buildings uh, to make it into a maltings and this was the obvious and rather super thing to put on top of it mm, yeah stands out that's for sure even in that beautiful snowy picture that you've just put up, that looked really cool, actually, with the snow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That, yeah. That's a very recent one, actually. Our volunteer, Mike Ashton, uh, many of you will know him. His Instagram account or accounts are fantastic. He does a googly eyes uh, Instagram account as well, which always makes me laugh. Um, but yeah, he took this photograph uh, end of January. And it's, mm. it's just astonishing. And from the top, the view is just amazing. Um it's, it's really, really good. So we're hoping that when we open spring next year, that we'll be able to take small groups up to the top. And it's still mm -hmm. a bit of a discussion with the, the fire brigade, whether they're happy with what is being put in place. Um, and then it will be small groups only. So it might be quite selective. But uh, yeah, it's it's astonishing. Of course, you've got an exactly you've got a very good view from the top floor as well. And that is available to commercial tenants. So um, Historic England has appointed uh, Tyler Shaw Roberts as a commercial agent. And um, by the end of this year, the, the first commercial tenants may well be in it. Uh, so, and, and the top floor is, is absolutely astonishing. It's so light. It's such a fantastic place to work. So yeah, check it so, out. So ladies, in terms of, obviously, cause you say that, you know, you'll be opening next year. Um, has, you know, obviously the pandemic slowed down the opening, you know, was there the potential that it would have been open this year, but everything has obviously come yeah. to a bit of a grinding yes. hall? And... Oh, yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, um, Croft are amazing and they, they've worked on the project from the first phase to the, the third phase. Um, they, they won every competitive tender they put in for and they love the building. Um, there's a uh, uh, and there's still at this moment in time about 40 people working on it, but there was a delay and that's uh, the lottery is is very, very appreciative of it. And it's still within budget, which is important. Um, but to be honest, we were quite, quite OK with pushing the opening a bit forward because, you know, your heart goes out to to fellow visitor attractions and they've done so well and they've been so adaptive. I mean, we, we did reopen for a bit um, last year in uh just August and September. And yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and people came back and it was a lovely feeling. And our volunteers were, were very enthusiastic to be back. 
But when the uh, uh, when the infection rates went up, we thought it just wasn't worth it. We'd rather mm. wait, and yeah, next spring, hopefully, we can also, you know, we've got Mother and Co as designers on on board. We can plan this in a sort of COVID secure way. That's that's the idea. We've been so lucky in a way that we were at this point because imagine if we plan to be open like now. Yeah. It'd be tough. Yeah. It'd be so, so tough. So in the meantime, yeah. uh, Penny's been busier than ever. Penny, do you, do you want to indicate what you've been doing? Oh, well, we've been, do- I, you know, basically uh, I started doing some research on, on the, the flax mill in about 2012 and had uh, volunteers who um, uh, transcribed the census returns for the period that the flax mill operated for the local area. And that gave us... Uh, some uh, some names of the people who work there and the community. And then from there, you can move out and look up other resources and build up your picture of the people. So um, uh, we use that and, and develop that all the time to look at different themes that uh, I've been exploring. Um, uh, and that's just the, the flax mill period. And then we've also um, uh, more recently been looking at the um, period during the Second World War when the fax mill was used as a barracks because um, the um, uh, the, uh, army set up an infantry training centre in Shrewsbury uh, through the KSLI. And uh, so a lot of the recruits needed training, all the the conscripts that were called up. Uh, And uh, so we're starting to look at that. And the soldiers of Shropshire Museum have got the um, books in which these people were sort of signed onto the books and given army numbers. And uh, we started working through those to get the names of those soldiers. And then we can, uh, who, some of whom would have actually sat in the Rat Hotel, which is what they fondly call the, uh, um, <laughs> the uh, uh, maltings, uh, uh, and uh, uh, and then we can trace what happened to them, and it's it's rather yeah. fascinating, you know. You get to see that some of them, uh, the different places, some of them ended up serving, and the uh, yeah. different. So that's another strand, but of course, you know, uh, we're also, you know, going back to the people who worked at the fax mill. There's so many different aspects to it in terms of of what you can look at once you you uh, you know delve into it. So. You know, I've been looking at, uh, I came across a, a link to, um, or several links to America um, uh, in, in some recent research. Um, uh, one was a, a man who worked at the fax mill as a sort of um, uh, traveling sale, a cashier and a traveling salesman. He was quite a senior middle management. And then he disappeared from the census returns. And eventually I discovered that he had migrated to uh, Illinois in, in in the U.S. And in fact, his son had gone there and they, uh, uh, before him, his eldest son, and then all the rest of his family went there. And then I found, uh, then we made contact with one of his descendants, and then it turned out that um, his uh, John Billington, who was the man who worked at the Fats Mill, his grandson, uh, they, uh, they were in Springfield, Illinois, which is where Abraham Lincoln was. Mm. And this was just at the time of the uh, 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 outbreak of the Civil War. And, um, uh, in fact, uh, 
they were effectively next door neighbours to Abraham Lincoln. And uh, this this boy who had been born in Shrewsbury um, used to play handball with Abraham Lincoln, you know, and, and run errands for him and all this sort wow. of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, wow. something. And then another link with America I discovered was the fact that the um, the Mormons had, had uh, uh, started proselytizing in Shrewsbury, uh, and it looks as though they were quite successful among the flax mill workers. And then you were, I was able to trace quite a number of them who, um, because the Mormons were basically trying to recruit people to go over to uh, set up Mormon settlements in Utah, um, quite a few of them did migrate. So again, you can you can follow them, you know, from the flax mill in Shrewsbury out to Utah and uh, a Salt wow. Lake City. That's, a, that's yeah. amazing. I mean, with mm. you know, obviously with your descend, you know, you're tracking the descendants. Mm. Have you come across descendants that are still here in Shrewsbury from you know right the way through, or have come back even maybe? Oh yeah, well certainly there are some uh, who uh, still have very strong links to the uh, to Shrewsbury. Um, uh, yes, I think so. Um, and certainly we are making contact with the uh, various families. Um, uh-huh. The the Mansells spring to mind off the top of my head, and uh, uh, that's been fascinating um, because they came up recently. Well, a couple of years ago, uh, they had a family photo. Um, because in the 1880s, their uh, forebear um, had a sh- opened a shop on Spring Gardens, a shop and a, had a house and a photo taken with the flax mill behind it. And it turned out this was the, the only photograph we have of the flax mill b- before it got converted to a maltings, before the windows were blocked up. Uh, so many of the windows were blocked up. And in the background also of this picture is the massive chimney from the boiler houses that you know, from the ste- that powered the steam engine that powered steam engines that powered the mill. So again, you know, a fantastic uh, uh, find. Uh, and the, that Mansell family had had connections with the, the flax mill before, you know, in previous generations and, and with the, you know, people they married and all that sort of thing. Yeah, and the joy uh-huh. is that their, uh, their descendant, now Susanna, hi Susanna if you're watching, is now a vol- volunteer with us. And she oh, told brilliant. us the story oh, yes. cool. of her family's connection. And it was one of the most most moving stories um, I, think, I think we heard. And it really brought it together because... Penny and, and other of our volunteers have been doing sterling work doing um, this documentary research. But to then hear it from somebody who's directly connected to it um, mm-hmm. and and see the family photos from, oh, and that's my dad on his uh, tricycle. And, oh, look, in the background, there, there's the mill again. It makes <laughs> you realise that the building only exists because of the community around it. Mm-hmm. So what mm-hmm. we, we had been doing before was, for instance, and, and Penny is one of the tour guides. Penny is our, our trustee and, and volunteer. We've got about 50 volunteers, uh, but um, I think Penny works the hardest of them all at the moment, definitely. Um, Penny, for instance, and, and Pete, one of our other volunteers, have been doing walks uh, through Castlefield and Didrington to show mm-hmm. people how... The, uh, how the area developed around the flax mill almost. And it was because of the flax mill that people uh, started living and then the railways came in and many people there became railway workers. Um, but that entire area of development, 
you know, you need housing around you. You, yeah. you need your workforce uh, nearby. So that's been fantastic. What we've also done during lockdown is, um, uh, and, and Penny has been doing quite a few of them, is offering our volunteers training talks. So we adopted Zoom, uh, I think, in April um, last year. Where would we be without Zoom? Sorry, StreamYard. I'm sure StreamYard. We love you too, StreamYard. But it's it's meant, in fact, that we were able to uh, to do two weekly talks, training talks, and, and Penny did many of them. We had um, uh, people from outside as well. We've had Historic England give talks. Um, we are about to have one from a professor in Cambridge, of of just people talking about the mill and, and creating a sort of video library of learning of training talks for us so that the volunteers now have been able to see it live the Q&As the volunteers who we hope to recruit to be able to open the mill will be able to go through them and pick it up because not everybody wants to read this although it's fantastic <laughs> uh, some people learn better by listening and hearing yes. um, so that's that's been actually something that we hadn't planned but it's been so positive it's been so fun to do and then as Penny said we've uh, had many people transcribing oral histories historic newspapers uh, Diana just sent me a, a few fantastic transcribed newspapers again so we've been able to keep people involved although we yeah we dearly like to be open and then and this links nicely to the Darwin Festival which I know you want to come back to <laughs> is um, we've been doing on online talks for groups so uh, I think Penny's been talking to the Art Society in Shrewsbury and um, and the Recon. About 200 people signed up for that. Um, we've given a talk to Belper, which is Mill in Derbyshire, yeah. which is has got connections uh, via Strat. For that, you need to listen to Penny's talk for the Darwin Festival. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we even have, but our emails keep going into um, spam. We've yeah. even got interest from the Museum for Industrial History in Bethlehem in America. Wow. See, world domination, it starts <laughs> via, via online talks. And it wasn't something that we planned to do, but it's been absolutely ready amazing. Yeah. Something positive from Corona, people. Something positive. <laughs> <laughs> now, you guys love to you, you love to solve a mystery. Obviously, um, there's there's been many stories that have come out of the flax mill. We spoke about it last year, Marion, and in fact, it was around the time when you found that pit in the floor. Uh, that you're like, well, what this? You, you, constantly unearthing all these nice uh, little uh, breadcrumbs to history. What's that like for you, Penny? When you find something new, something new to to, to oh, go and well. research and look at. Yeah, it's really addictive, and you, know, you suddenly find you've spent two hours beavering away trying to find out more about this particular family and uh, uh, call, calling them up because you know uh, there's things like the um, uh, once we had some names to search for, we could use the uh, Shropshire Parish registers, um, which were available online via via my past. Uh, so that really enables you to flesh out a bit more about the lives of these people who are otherwise pretty much undocumented. Um, but, uh, yes, no, it give, you suddenly see the links or, or think, oh, yes, I, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I see now that why that happened, because they knew so-and-so or they married so-and-so, and, and that's what must have happened. So, yes, it is um, uh, fascinating uh, to, to get that. And then you read a bit more and uh, you find a bit more. 
more about a different aspect, like Disraeli. I mean, I didn't even, I, I knew vaguely that Disraeli had been an MP for Shrewsbury uh, uh, only for a couple of years. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, then you find out that he did actually uh, um, make some uh, pretty dismissive uh, uh, remarks about the flax mill workers. It's all tied up with the politics of, of the time. But then you get interested in, in, in the underlying things like the repeal of the Corn Act, Corn Laws and all this sort of thing. And you go off in another direction. And, and so it goes on. Uh, and uh, there's a whole range of resources that you can try and use. I'm, I'm doing a lot in Shropshire Archives and, and things that you wouldn't think of, uh, but they do feed in. For example, there's these records. Uh, the um, parish used to collect um, the uh, church rate, which were every year, um, which was basically A, to pay for the church, but B, to pay for the poor law at the time. Um, um, we have those uh, for from 1799 up until uh, the 1830s. So they're going around every year, every householder, how much they're collecting from them. Uh, so that enables you to go back right to the early 1800s, whereas the census only mm -hmm. gives you from 1841. So then mm -hmm. you can flesh that out. And in the 1830s, they do actually record the occupations. And then there's things like um, uh, I found there were some uh, records uh, generated by the poor law. They used to do uh, what they call settlement examinations to establish whether or not these people really were their responsibility rather than some other parish. Um, and uh, 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 some of those are interview, you know, sort of standardised interviews, but you can pick up from a few of those uh, other people that otherwise wouldn't be documented who worked at the fax mill or their children are working at the fax mill uh, mm. when they're interviewed and so on. So all, all sorts of little snippets which suddenly join together and you've got just a picture of, of those people. Mm. Mm. Um, before we get into the Darwin Festival, uh, what we actually came here to do, um, <laughs> Penny, uh, you mentioned the word census, uh, which you're working on at the moment. We've got a picture of you here. Um, what what uh, what are you working on uh, for the 2021 census? What what's your role in this? Oh well, I think uh, basically, um, as I say, the, we use the census to give us a starting point. Um, uh, when we first started looking at the lives of the fax mill workers, so. Um, um, Marianne is planning to do some uh, um, uh, posts uh, about that and the different uses you can uh, uh, apply uh, to, to the fact, uh, to the census data that we've collected. So I've been sort of pulling it out of my database and, and turning it into different, uh, 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 highlighting those different aspects, um, which will duly roll out. In due course, Marianne. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, it was meant to be a tiny thing. I mean, um, the census only comes around every 10 years, and it's been, it's, been a, so, it's been so good for us to bring about the lives of the, the people who were working at the flax mill, who otherwise would have gone unknown. There's, well, there's very little of them remaining, but at least we've got the names, oh. um, and we've got the jobs, and we know where they lived, and we know when they died, so... That's been fantastic. So when it came around, I thought, are people aware of how important it is to to join in? Because it's your chance to be part of history in a hundred years' time. Are 
descendants are going to be using it to form an, an idea of what the society looked like then. And hopefully this podcast will still be available. So, you know, they'll get an idea. But we can't be sure, whereas those records will, will stay. So um, we got in touch with Roger Bellum, who was on the photograph, who's the Shropshire's Census Engagement Manager. And he said, this is exactly the sort of thing that we're, we're looking for. We'd love to do a little partnership with you guys. So, yeah, we'll do a little social media campaign. And I said to Penny, can you just draw out some facts? And Penny being Penny, it became entire case histories, which is fantastic. <laughs> because that's exactly to make the point of, uh, OK, what sorts of jobs were there? Twisters, feelers, uh, uh, dyers, that sort of information. Mm-hmm. Um the fact that, um, you know, about a third of the workforce was female, a third was male, and a third was children under 16, that sort of thing. It helps as well because these are the sorts of stories that we, we tend to tell when you get uh, an online talk from, from us. Um, so if any group is interested, let us know and, and we can do anything via Zoom. Uh, it's what we tell when we give um, guided tours as well. And it's also what Mather & Co will be putting into that fantastic Vista experience that we are opening next year. So it's, uh, yeah, the census is, is essential for that sort of thing. It made sense for us to uh, to join forces. Amazing, amazing. Um, and where does it all fit in? Where, where do you guys fit into the the, uh, the Darwin Festival? Obviously, the Darwin Festival is a celebration of all things Darwin, evolution, science, and and our heritage, right? So that's I guess that's where it fits in. Answer me on Yes, question. well, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm going to give a talk, um, which is uh, about innovation and uh, the the lead figures. I mean, most of my research is about the the ordinary people, but I'm going to focus for this about how innovative. Uh, the fax mill was, uh, uh, and the figures involved with it. Um, uh, and uh, uh, I don't want to tell you too much, but, uh, you know, the, uh, to give it all away, spo- a spoiler alert, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, 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 it will look at that. And, of course, there are some surprising, uh, well, not so surprising, links back to Darwin himself, um, uh, which is not surprising, given that you know he came from Shrewsbury, and and there are links which will will come out in the talk. Yeah. Um, oh, she's good, isn't it? Just a little teaser. Just a little teaser. <laughs> yeah, a little teaser. Um, and you know, there's people watching now that probably uh, have never, um, unfortunately, probably never even taken part in anything that's gone in the Darwin Festival, which is a shame for you. But you know what? This year is your best year to take advantage of what is going on around you because it's all virtual this year, which means you can sit in your pajamas and rock up at one of these lectures. And one of Penny's talk is going to be amazing. You could sit there uh, and have a glass of whiskey, whatever you want to do. I don't know. You know, in your pajamas, you can you can dress up in a tuxedo if you like. You can do that. It's fine. <laughs> but it's accessible across the whole world, and that's the most important thing. You can learn about history, you can learn about Darwin, you can learn about um, Shrewsbury's heritage um, by just. I mean, I'm going to share the, the site now with you. Um, duh, 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 duh. Go to uh, original Shrewsbury. Um, .co.uk and here's the site look you go to original shrewsbury click on darwin and all of the lectures and all of the talks that are taking part throughout the week are all here uh, and now it's very easy you see how i'm going to click that's pennies there i want to click on it yeah. and you book a place done and there you go yeah. you've got you've got a place from to take part in these uh sessions amazing easy and um very educational yeah. And I have a question for uh, for you ladies, because if um, obviously these are, you know, they're timed sessions, 
which people can book online. And, and obviously last year, people could physically come along to events. Um, for people that might be doing, say, shift work or might happen to be out on a particular time when one of your talks is going on, are is there an opportunity to get a recorded version afterwards? As I understand it, it is being uh, recorded uh, and should be available later. But if not, as we said, if you're interested as uh, as a group to have a talk, just contact us and and we can do something a bit more general about the mill or um, or about the social history. And it's uh, it's a nice way of starting to get excited as well about the. The work that's that's going on but no as far as i'm aware it it will be recorded uh, if not we might be able to record it ourselves at some point and uh, make that available because this yeah. is a completely new talk um mm-hmm. that penny is putting together especially for the festival so uh it's it's quite a bit of it is new to many of our volunteers as well so penny will be giving the talk for our volunteers um to to share the knowledge that she's picked up mm. yeah yeah amazing well you guys are amazing penny you're just absolute pool of knowledge i'd I'd love to just sit and talk to you for for hours if we could you know talk about what you've learned not just about the flax mill but you know why you do what you do and what what's why is why it's special to you you know because i think you're fascinating Uh, and marianne the the good work that you guys have been doing at the flax mill it's just it's just astounding how you're restoring this beautiful building the research alone must take just a ridiculous amount of time never mind the the construction well it's good to be in partnership with historic england uh i think it's it's every charity's dream to be part of of that sort of development because you learn so much i mean Mm -hmm. um historic england does technical tuesdays which some of our volunteers also also watch so they're picking up immense amounts um and of course, you know, some of our volunteers are retired, but other volunteers, we've got a whole lot of young volunteers who are using this as a as a learning opportunity. And one of them um, has volunteered with us, has now found a job in Cornwall. Hi, Alexander. Well done. Um, and we are working with younger volunteers now between 18 and 25 to see how, for instance, Heritage Open Days, which is in September, can be made more accessible, more interesting for that for that age group. So it's um, it's a catalyst, isn't it? This project and to be backed yeah. up by Historic England with that expertise is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And Shrewsbury um, is very lucky to have that sort of investment. Yeah. Historic England, it's not only one of the largest lottery uh, projects in in the country with over twenty million. But Historic England themselves have put in a lot of their their own money because the lottery yeah. never pays a hundred percent. You understand it's always yeah. a partial partial investment so historic yeah. england um not only just put money but so much expertise in that um yeah that's that's a reason why i think it's such a good learning opportunity for for younger volunteers as well to be able to do that i think just recently they had a fantastic um uh, uh webinar about climate change and how important it is to restore historic buildings because you know this building could have been flattened 17 times over in in the past 225 years but the best way the most climate positive way is to to do something with the buildings that are already there and i don't know if you've seen the the big big town plan presentations alistair from historic england um made a fantastic uh comment there that it's got georgian air conditioning you open the windows on the cool side of the building and it blows through 
that sort of thing. It's um, uh, it's it's exemplary the work that has been done, and mm-hmm. it's up to us in historic England to share that learning, both for you know contractors and developers, but also for people who are just interested and want to share that sense of pride. They have, I mean, you've got the ancestor of the skyscraper on your doorstep. How bloody lucky are we? <laughs> exactly. Sorry, I'll stop. <laughs> yeah, fine. I love the passion. I love the passion. That was fantastic. And that's what this, this festival is all about as well, showing pride for, for your heritage. And we're lucky to have, have the Flax Mills, have Charles Darwin, have this fantastic history and such a beautiful looking town, uh, a town that we can look at a building and go back so many hundred years and find out so many different stories about. We're so lucky to to have that around us um so i would love to encourage uh, anybody that's watching listening to this to to go to originalshrewsbury.co.uk book a place onto any of the lectures that are going on next from next week um and uh, enjoy it enjoy what you're listening because there's so much there to to, to take part in uh that we're running out of time we've got three minutes left we did it we did it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i would before we get out of here i would like to tell people about our website as well because uh, um all of our audio is available on there it's very easy to access everything we do at the biscuit if you go to uh the shoes with biscuit podcast.co.uk um that is powered by web orchard our friends there that will make you a great website if you need one um uh, so yeah thank you very much marianne thank you very much penny uh for joining us today it's been fantastic talking to you yeah i agree penny should should have her own full 40 minutes i think i think penny needs to come on the biscuit just by herself penny we're gonna make yeah. this happen um, <laughs> yes i'll be in touch i'll be in touch right guys thank you very okay. much for joining us and we'll be back in thank about you. uh 20 minutes right okay. thanks guys thank you, thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.